Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Effective Meeting Starter Model, Part 1. Here we go. You know, we go to a lot of meetings, and <laughs> I'm afraid to say, or sorry to say, I should say, that most of them are terrible. They start late, they don't have an agenda, they get off track, <laughs> they waste time. You, you're starting to get the picture here? You know? Yeah. And they finish late, right? But you can't leave early, even if you have another meeting. Yeah, that one, that one always bugs me, right? It's like everybody knows that thanks to some Microsoft programmer in Outlook who decided that all meetings should be an hour long. And again, for those of you who are perhaps younger and, and joined the, the professional world when it had already been digitized, um, meetings used to be scheduled for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And now, simply because of the ease of the electronic use of Outlook scheduling and the default of an hour, which, by the way, you can change, meetings just become hours. And you can look at people's calendars, and they're literally just blocks of hours, right? And it just stuns me that people actually tell me, no, I can't leave because I'm in this other meeting. And you say to them, well, are you, you know, was it valuable time of the meeting? Oh, gosh, no. I mean, we were just getting going. Or the other one is... Well, it's usually pretty bad, but then everyone starts getting itchy to leave. And so the last five minutes is when everything happens. I actually told somebody once, I said, you just told me that the last five minutes is when everything happens. Why not schedule the meeting for five minutes? Oh, well, we couldn't do that. Well, it <laughs> seems that you, that in other words, you have to be in pain before you do it. So let me poke you with something before, before a meeting and you'll get done real fast. And, and by the way, that's also why we often recommend stand-up meetings, right? Sure, it makes, makes meetings shorter. Yeah, people get tired. Uh, yeah, that whole finishing late thing and, yeah, you know, I can't leave this meeting because I'll be late to the next one or, or I can't be on time for the next one because I am i can't leave this one early when, in fact, the one you're in didn't really start on time. It's just a – sorry. It's just, the whole thing about um, this, it's, it's a faux pas to leave a meeting before it's complete, even though it's run over – it drives me batty. I mean, why does it get right. the meeting leader get to, to stare daggers at the person leaving when the person who's running the meeting didn't have a plan, didn't structure the time, didn't cut off two people who were who, who just tended to talk on and on and on and on? Yeah, and exactly. So the meeting runs late. So, so why does the meeting leader get to get upset when somebody leaves on time? Yeah, when he or she really isn't doing their job, right? Yeah, that's crazy. You know, we, we sit here and say that, but is it fair to say that meeting leaders really don't know what their job is? What do you think? Do you think it's that or, or is it, well, I don't know. What do you think? You think it's because they don't no, know? I think that they they're, know. I, I think they, they know. know. I, I think they, I think folks are just lazy and there's some initial pain associated with enforcing an effective meeting protocol, right? It's, right. It's the horseman curve, right? It's the McGuire hump. <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. I mean, if, if you have 10 people invited to a meeting and there's only two people in there and we recommend you start on time, people have a hard time with that. So, oh, well, you know, John is going to get upset because he's going to miss the first 10 minutes. Well, Okay. And okay. Yeah. You got to put up with that pain for a while. So I think people know, right? Although there's frankly very little training in terms of how to do it. So it's possible that, that some folks don't. And, and I think for, for our listeners a little bit, I think we made it harder, right? With our first podcast, yeah. we did a long time about. Gosh, that's hard to hear. <laughs> well, I, I don't mean we made it, we made it tough, but we set the standards so high that no. folks said, God, I, I don't want to. <laughs> Don't say that. Well, it's, not that high. Yeah. Okay. But we, <laughs> we can make it a little yeah. easier, right? 
No, but but yeah, I think I think you're right in the sense that right we we we've talked to lots of professionals and they they complain about their meetings and we sit in those meetings and I'm stunned by them. And folks say to us, I mean, longtime listeners say to us, uh, you know, I really haven't done the whole effective meetings thing either. And you know, part of it is because I think people look at the list and they see ten things and they don't think about chunking it down. They don't think about let me just try one and get started. They think. Well, I'm not an effective manager. I want to be. And the definition of effective when it comes to meetings is all 10 of these things. I think that's the answer to your earlier question. Why don't people do it? I think it's the letting the, you know, perfect be the enemy of the good, right? Yes, exactly. I can't be yeah. perfect, so I won't do any of it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And yet you and I are both examples of, you know, we, we, we complain about what we haven't done. And then each of us says the other one, but wait, you took the two steps. You're, you're I mean, you two steps further along and we're complaining about, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. We, we have a drive to be excellent or to be good or whatever. And we beat ourselves up that we're not good enough. And yet we're two steps further along. And those two steps were necessary to get to where we want to go. So look, here's what we did. Uh, we have been going to meetings for years now. And in the last couple of years, we've been wondering why the effective meetings protocol hasn't been implemented more widely because those who do it say, oh my gosh, it changed my life. So we've shortened the list for those of you who might think that our previous prescriptions about meetings were too much to ask. Now, now I'm going to be honest with you. This is not a dark mark moment, but we don't think it's too much to ask. The moment you do the stuff we're going to recommend today in this cast, you're going to want to do more because they work. And we believe that the 10 that we recommend are not perfection. It is analogous to perfect the enemy of the good, but the fact is it's not perfection. It's, it's a good start. But we have five points, four of which are our, our shortened recommendations. And, and if you don't do these, it's okay. But don't complain about your meetings, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Just don't, right? It just, you know, it's like I don't go to the gym, but I want to lose weight. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Make a choice. Be happy with where you're at or make a change. So five points. The first, we're going to repraise the, the original guidance. We're just going to go over it again briefly so everybody gets a, a rough idea. There's probably a thousand or two thousand or maybe even 10,000 people right now who are listening who have never heard the first cast. Right. I mean, Mike, we were on the phone with a client the other day and we said, well, you've heard this, not, not about meetings, but about something else. And they said, no, I haven't heard that one. And I just want to say, wow, it's, it's there. And of course, that part of that is us. We've got so much stuff and it's sometimes a little bit harder to find than we want. But, but nevertheless, we'll go over the original effective meetings guidance. And then we're going to excerpt from that the four that you can do independently of the others that have the biggest impact. And we're going to make them as easy as possible. Our point two is, is our first recommendation, which is to start on time. And we're going to cover that again, right? Number three, we're going to make it easy for you to deal with agendas. We're going to tell you how to announce a rough equal agenda. A lot of people tell us, I don't know how to do agendas, Mark. I don't know. Should I be 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there? I just don't know. We're going to simplify that greatly and get you started on the idea that an agenda is a good thing. And it's not just a topic list. Number four, which is our third point, sorry, is uh, fixed responsibilities. We really feel strongly that when you move from one topic to another, you close that previous topic out and we, we call that fixing responsibilities. And then number five, our fourth recommendation is finish on time. And we'll have very specific recommendations on that. And that one's actually the easiest. And it's, it's maybe a little bit abrupt, but abruptness sometimes is a good thing. Yeah, really. How hard is it to stand up and walk out the door now? Yeah, yeah. And yet people say, okay, I've actually had somebody lean over and say, Mark, I feel like the wing is winding down. I'm really done with everything. 
what should I do? And I looked at him, I said, have you kind of gotten everything done you want to get done? He says, yeah. I says, you should end the meeting. He says, okay, but how? <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> just say, hey, meeting's over. He says, and you know, he didn't say I can do that, but the look that passed on his face was, is that, you know, and I think really it was a case of culturally, these people believe that the definition of a meeting ending was just kind of a last sigh of breath as people just kind of wandered away as if rather than tying up the ends of a loose rope, the definition of end the meeting was when all the ends of the rope were clearly separated, right? There was, there was no ending. There was just a, a denouement and a, um, a receding of the tides. So to speak. Yeah. I don't know. Well, you need a Heidi type by a person at those points in time. We're done mm-hmm. folks. Goodbye. We're done. Bye. All right. So <laughs> wait, wait, I want to talk more. And of course, there's always the guy who says, no, no, we're not done yet. And you look at him and say, yeah, yeah, we are. You know what you do, folks, when you want to get on, you, you say, hey, Mark, shut up. Let's get on to our point one. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> or in the meeting, yeah. one of the two. <laughs> because you're such a nice guy. Hey, there you go. <laughs> shut up. Okay. So <laughs> the first thing you want to cover is a reprise of our original guidance. Why are we going to do that? Yeah. Look, okay. Really? Um, yeah. Look, it's worth it. You know, a potential client asked us recently, hey, I'm a big fan. I've listened to all your shows. When are you going to do something on performance reviews? And those of you who have listened for five years, you know, maybe uh, we're nearing five years or something. We were thinking, really? I mean, are you kidding me? You've listened to all, you know, I've listened to all your shows, but when are you going to do something on performance reviews? And I think you missed the four in a row we did on reviews like forever ago. And we did it in incredible detail. And then we also did one on how to prepare for your own review, right? Which is a, um, which is related, but of course different. And it reminded us, it just reminded me, right? It's, there's a little bit of academic creep that I know I'm guilty of. Maybe you aren't, Mike, that a lot of folks have only heard some of our guidance for all kinds of good reasons. They came to the site, they saw one thing they really liked and they listened to that and they think, wow, this is great. But then they got to go through the whole back catalog and they've got to listen to all of it and download it and so on. But, you know, it occurred to me the other day that for those who don't necessarily want to listen and take that long, certainly they can subscribe to premium content and then read it. Uh, although you can't read while you're driving or doing the lawn or doing laundry or whatever. So it occurred to us that maybe folks don't know that we've talked about meetings before. It's been been a long, long time ago. And look, the, the other reason is we all go to so many meetings. When we look at our original meeting guidance, we think none of this stuff is hard to do. All of it really makes a difference in terms of the caliber of the meetings. And look, we tell people all the time that communication is the single most frequent behavior of managers. It is. Right between email and meetings and face to faces and so on, it's the most frequent thing you do. And meetings are particularly important communication moments because lots of people are listening. We ought to do them well. It's a bit like, look, if you're a software company, you ought to do QA really well, right? I mean, surely, yeah, surely, yeah. You know, if you're a consumer products company, you ought to do product safety really well. Well, one thing all companies do a lot of, I mean, enormously, I mean, millions, billions, trillions of dollars a year are spent in meeting time. So we think it's important and it's not hard to do, which seems to us very low hanging fruit. So for those of you who haven't heard it, and that's okay, we understand, um, or maybe you've forgotten it and maybe, or maybe you just need a reminder. Here are the 10 recommendations we made at a high level in that first cast or, you know, the first cast about meetings so many, so many years ago. Step one is pre-publish an agenda. And look, folks, we know that that turned a lot of you off. 
we think we're right, but we also respect that being right and being real are sometimes two different things. And if you read that and go, oh, it's like somebody saying, please go to the gym and spend an hour and a half today, right? Some people had that emotional response to the agenda thing because they didn't really know how to put together an agenda. And yeah, we told you how to put together an agenda, but it still seemed like too much. So basically what we recommended was let everybody know in advance what the schedule is. And most people, not most, many, many people, maybe it's as high as 40%, think that an agenda is just a list of stuff you want to talk about. Like, oh, we've got three topics. Our agenda is these three topics, A, B, and C. But it's not. An agenda is a series of items that have times and usually owners assigned to them. Although so often in so many meetings, you don't really need to have the owner unless different people are briefing different things, particularly for recurring meetings. The owner is fairly straightforward in most cases, but at a minimum, it includes a start time for every item you're going to discuss. And by the way, the end time for the meeting that you're going to discuss is the start time for the next item. And so managers make the mistake of saying an agenda is just a list without allotting specific times. And so what you do is you sit down in advance and you figure out what the agenda is. How many items do I have? How much time do I have? How much time do I need to give to each item? And when you've got it all figured out, you send it out to everybody who's coming. So they know when what is going to be talked about is going to be talked about. So pre-publish an agenda. Second thing, start on time. And we'll talk more about this in later, of course. It's amazing to me that we can't, we all can't seem to get this one right. And to be fair, Manager Tools has meetings every week, and there are moments when I'm a couple minutes late or somebody else is a couple minutes late. And yet, thankfully, Maggie starts us on time 99 times out of 100. And it's actually – the great thing is if you start a meeting on time, people come to a meeting on time. Just to add one thing here, which I don't think people think about a lot, but if you publish an agenda, it's very possible that there are folks who are coming to your meeting that aren't required except for agenda item two. And if they know, if you've established a habit where you start on time and end on time and you follow your agenda, the fact is people can show up for a part of the meeting. And I'll tell you, I've been there. And when somebody runs a meeting like that and I know I can walk in at 1030, attend the topic that I need to attend to and then get on to my next meeting, man, I want to kiss their feet. Yeah. I want to kiss their feet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And all of us have in, in us the capability to do that. And it happens so frequently so if you look, if you're not a manager now and you go to meetings that are sloppy and I use that term lightly, but, but you know what I mean? They're not efficient. They're not effective. Make a commitment now to use these starter techniques. And yeah, it's going to be awkward. People are going to say, what are you doing? Just say, well, I just thought I'd try to do something a little bit different. I want to be respectful for people. Don't say I sat in a lot of really crappy meetings and I'm going to do it right. That's something I might do and doesn't work real well. So look, you start on time. Um, everybody wants to do it, but nobody does. Maybe start times and diets are related in some cosmic way. It's easy to do it, too. You just start. You just literally at 10 o'clock, you say, okay, we're starting. Only if, you know, you got, you know, the vast majority of the people in the room, right? No. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't start with. No, th this is where, now, now, now look, I could, I could save this story for later. I believe I've told this story once before on air, but it, but it bears repeating uh, as our audience continues to grow. True story, a client called me once, uh, a, fr a good friend of mine, a guy who was really non-confrontational. I mean, one of the most non-confrontational senior level people or top of an organization people I've ever worked with. Off the charts, high C, okay? Uh, very much a diplomat. 
And he, he said to me, he says, look, I got a problem with my morning meeting every Tuesday, uh, every week on Tuesday, I have a morning meeting with all the department heads and often some of the sub department heads are come to the meeting. And, um, you know, we used to have the meeting at 830. The workday starts at 815 and I would have the meeting at 830. No, I'm sorry. That's wrong. It was the meeting. The workday started at eight and he was starting his meeting at 815. So people would come to his headquarters and, you know, they'd get coffee and donuts, or whatever, and they'd file it in the meeting room. Right. And he says, look, I, I'm struggling because people don't come to the meeting on time. I said, okay, when is the meeting scheduled to start? He said, it said 930. I said, wow, I, I mean, I remember when I worked with you a couple years ago, it was 8.15. He says, yeah, look, I started at 8.15 to give people a chance to get, you know, get to work and get comfortable and then come to the meeting. But, you know, I would be there at 8.15 and nobody would be there. So we'd end up starting at like 8.30. And so I just figured it was hard for people to get there on time. So I moved it back to 8.30 and then people came at 8.45. And and so I moved it back and now I'm starting at 9.30. And the problem is it's a two-hour meeting and I got to get done before 11 and I can't get it done. And I said, well, why do you keep moving it back? He says, because people keep not showing up. And I figure they've got other stuff to do. I said, but surely, you know, after an hour of moving it back, you know that it's not about the fact that they have other stuff to do. And he said, oh, I said, look, here's what you do. And this is oh, what a friend of ours would call in your face coaching. <laughs> so here's what you do. I said, we could talk for hours about the theory, but let's not do that. Let's just do this. I said, what you're going to do is the next meeting, you're going to send out an email on Monday and say, hey, by the way, the meeting needs to be early tomorrow. The meeting is going to start at 8.15. I'm going to start at 8.15, right? Just send out a note. And these are department heads who know this guy. I talk to him every day. It's not as if they hate him. He's not He's not unloved. He's a respected manager and so on, uh, not a confrontational kind of person. And he actually said, well, I'm not really comfortable with that. I said, look, I'll send you the email to send. And I knew who his directs were, so I sent the email. So I, I wrote the email knowing full well how it might impact each of his seven or eight or actually maybe about like 10 department heads. So he got the mail and I'm sure he analyzed it for an hour or two. And then he sent it out on Monday afternoon and the next and, and I happened to be available. And so I went at 815 and I said, OK, you know, at 810, I was in his office. So let's go. Let's go start the meeting. And he says, I ah, was uncomfortable, whatever. But at 815, he started the meeting and his secretary slash admin, a great person was there. And he said, okay, we're starting. And she kind of chuckled, right? And he said, first item on the agenda, this, and he looked around and nobody was there. And so now by then there were people out in the hallway in the headquarters and they started coming in. But basically he says, he basically said, okay, it was like 825. He says, okay, meeting's done. I'll, you know, uh, he said to his admin person, uh, let, let's send out notes of what came up and what was discussed and what needed to be done. And it was just, it was hard for him. Now, it won't be as hard for many of you who are listening to this because you're not as non-confrontational as he was, but he did it. And if he did it, you can do it. And he said, I don't understand why that works. And of course, you know what I said, wait till next week. And next yeah. week at 8.15, everybody was there. And the meeting went one hour, not an hour and a half, one hour. Because if you start a meeting late, you're sending a message, time's not important. People not going to feel that they need to keep to any sort of agenda or time sensitivity or whatever. And sure enough, 8.15 to 9.15. And he said, he said, that was painful for me. He says, but unbelievable. And to this day, it's been 10 years now, that meeting, he's still in his role. That meeting is at 8.15 on Tuesday. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I hope a lot of managers don't miss the point. I, I, not, uh, I'll tie feedback in here a little bit, right? You don't have to yell and scream and do all those kind of things when people don't show up on time, right? So yell and scream, they, they're 15 minutes late. They say the meeting starts at 8. 
people don't show up till eight fifteen, you yell and scream at your team, right? And then you move on. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't need to do that. You just need to start the meeting at eight o'clock. And doing that will be much more effective than yelling and screaming at your team. <laughs> and you could give them some feedback along the way as well, but just starting on time would probably work. Yeah, to be fair, one of his best department heads, a guy named Mike, who I really admire, just a really sharp manager, a good professional, good leader, ethical guy. He was almost always there like a minute or so after the meeting schedule start. And you know what's frustrating about this is waiting for everybody else is disrespectful to the Mikes of the world, to the sharp professional who's on time. You know, we often say at conferences, we start on time as a way of honoring the people who are already there. Uh, and it's amazing how much it's as if there's a vacuum in the room and everybody who's in the hallway gets sucked into the meeting. Okay, sorry. Long story there, folks. You can start a meeting on time. The first time you do it, it's going to be a little bit awkward and then people will start showing up on time. Number three, point three, set some ground rules. We love doing this at conference. It's it's a way to get things interactive early, but that's really more of an all-day training session. It's not just a meeting. But look, there's some basic rules that everybody knows make for smooth meetings. And there's some things that everybody knows. There are behaviors everybody knows we want to avoid. You know, so what you do is if, if it's going to be a recurring meeting, in the first meeting, you set up time to go over ground rules, to agree on how we're going to meet together. And you ask people, hey, how do you want to work together? And most people will tell you. Every once in a while, you get somebody who says something a little bit less than great. But for the most part, you'll get things like start on time, finish on time, be respectful of others, no sidebars, turn your cell phones off, or at least put them on stun. And in fact, in the original cast, we actually gave a list of what we recommend were sort of standing orders when it comes to ground rules. And if you don't want input, just say, if you're the meeting leader, just say, hey, look, here's our ground rules. They're listed right here. This is how we're going to run it. And there will be people who push back and there will be people who go, yay, privately, and it'll work. Didn't we just talk to somebody recently who says, Mark, make sure you know there are a couple of people in our group that are going to be really hard to handle. And in my head, I was thinking, no, they won't be hard to handle because we'll have ground rules and the ground rules will handle them for us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We had that conversation yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Number four, stick to your agenda. Don't allow somebody to bring up a point that isn't on the agenda. This is, you know blasphemy to effective meeting people or efficient meeting people even. And everybody hates it. And in fact, it's almost always, nah, 70% of the time, it's the same one or two people in any given group that go, well, but about this. And everybody, it's as if it's a group eye roll. It's like, oh, he's talking now, blah, 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 blah. Um, here we go down a rabbit trail, right? If you're supposed to be talking about X, Politely insist on only talking about X. If somebody brings something else up, politely interrupt and tell them they're off topic. Everybody hates going down rabbit trails, right? Things that are off agenda, off topic. And everybody hates meeting leaders who allow them to happen. And look, this is true even if somebody outranks you. I know that's a really bridge too far for some of your manager and your bosses in the meetings as well. We really need to talk about X, Y, Z. If you've done this a while, you may be able to say, hey, boss, sorry, but I'd like to keep on the agenda if I can. And there are very few managers. Now, if your manager overrules you, let him or her go. Um, but there are very few managers who will. They say, no, oh, okay, fine. Let's, let's make sure we get your stuff done. You'd be surprised how sensitive bosses are to managers running their own meetings efficiently. 
Related to this is our is our fifth point, use a parking lot. A great way to handle rabbit trails, a great way to handle, long, handle long-windedness or off-topic discussions. You set up a parking lot, or some people call it a bin, right, where you put all topics, all issues, all ideas that aren't on the agenda that come up. When somebody starts saying, well, you know, we need to talk about this quality initiative, say, wait, you know what, you're right, we do, but that's not what the purpose of this meeting is. We can't solve the purpose of this meeting and talk about the quality initiative. I'm going to put that in the parking lot. And we have five minutes at the end of the agenda today to cover things in the parking lot or to decide whether or not we can handle them in five minutes or whether we need another meeting or whatever. Just say, hey, we're talking, you know, right now we're talking strategy. We'll write it down in the parking lot and we'll cover it then. Simple. The next one is my favorite, point six, fixed responsibilities. It works so well and it's so helpful because meetings tend to be so frustrating in terms of inefficiency and effectiveness. And then nobody does anything after afterwards. And usually... Decisions don't often don't always get made, but actions get get assigned, deliverables get assigned, and yet they don't get tracked, and that's the way to do it. And we're going to expand on that one in just a minute. Number seven is finish on time, and again, this is another one that we think really is important, and we're going to cover it in more detail. But look, if you if you start on time and manage the time in between, it's it's logical, and frankly, it's courteous to finish on time, and it's amazingly easy to do. Really, it may feel a little awkward, but that doesn't make it hard to do. You can do it. It just may be. It may feel like a bridge too far, but it's not. We also recommend publishing notes, not meeting minutes, by the way, but notes. Meeting minutes are very hard to take. Uh, meeting minutes are generated, at least in the U.S. And, and I think in Western Europe, by Robert Rules, Robert's Rules of Order, which is parliamentary procedure, which is just bizarrely complex. There are people who make six figures who are the parliamentarians in the U.S. House and Senate, and it's just, wow, crazy. And, and you ought not to be using parliamentary rules if you're running a management meeting. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. But look, you need to take notes during the meeting. And, you know, it's simple. Notes are what was decided, who said what they do and when they would do it and get them out fast after the meeting. And frankly, what we recommended in the original cast was take your agenda, spread it out over a whole page, lots of space in between for you to take handwritten notes and then Send somebody to copy the minutes with with circled items about who's going to do what by when. And there's your minutes. And it's done within five minutes rather than people waiting around for two days for you to get around to transcribing the minutes, really not minutes, but notes in a way that's helpful to them. So you will get action after the meeting. Uh, the other two points we recommended, nine and 10, continuously improve was number nine. You know, look, every once in a while, revisit what you're doing. Are, are the agendas that you're creating, are, ac- are they accurate? Are they being followed? Are the ground rules working or maybe they're not, right? Are the right people in the room? Do we even need this meeting anymore? And, and maybe once a quarter, just put a 15-minute or even a 10-minute thing on a recurring meeting for continuous improvement and ask everybody, how do we think we're doing? That's how all processes are handled at professional organizations. They're reviewed periodically. And then last point, number 10, using a facilitator. We've talked about this several times in the last few years about as a manager, delegating the facilitation of time and the meeting logistics to one of your directs so that you can be more involved in the content of the meeting rather than the process of the meeting. Have somebody else run the meeting, starting and timing, cutting people off, creating the notes, following up, and so on. And that gives you a chance to contribute more. Now, look, we don't think all of that is too much to ask. It's going to take a few meetings to get it right. But look, who's going to argue that taking three meetings to make your meetings a quantum better isn't worth it with as many meetings as we all go to? Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll conclude this topic next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.